Vanuit de hoofdstad van Limburg is dit RTV Maastricht. De stem van de stad altijd dichtbij. Tonight there's gonna be a massacre Straight after the sun goes down Going out for all of them haters I'm running them down I'm burning them down How you mean I'm gunning them down? They're going on as if they've got the right to yam up town Well no they won't be no more eating for them now I'm bringing them beef, it's not the meat from a cow You wanna jack man and act like that's gonna be allowed? Do you think I'd let that ride? I'm too fucking proud The table turners are right on you now Say goodnight as I'm putting your lights out Should've taken me out when you had the chance Under the moonlight, time to meet the devil and dance Ask Naj, you from the hood, you have to get yourself a gun And when it's on you, don't pop your shit and run You stand firm till the old clip's done Or else you'll have a slim chance of seeing tomorrow's sun If I make it till tomorrow, I'll be surprised That's if I make it till tomorrow, I'll be surprised, blood Straps, both of the safety catch Around the spots where they shot in the crack I'm looking for cats to get any haters I see How many haters up in Finsbury are they out to get me? Just like Chung, a crackhead pedophile and his son Going on as if they're heavy cause they're holding a gun That can't run, how many more lives have got a done So them man can sit back with a crack pipe to bun Fucking scum, love to take life for fun Killing innocent sons and leaving heartbroken mums I think murderer Blood is on your trainer These men took that to forensic doctor Murder, the victim's family muscle hate ya So kill me now because you won't kill me later I'm ready to die and I'm ready to take life And I'm gonna be surprised if I make it through tonight If I make it till tomorrow, I'll be surprised I'll be surprised Kill or be killed, lad To find out where them fascios are lurking Think I finally found them but I still gotta be certain I heard they shot him working The crack house in the block, the flat without a curtain Come we go hurt them Firebomb the letterbox and leave them all burning If they coming running out my bullets gonna splurt them I'm all out to hurt them and leave them for dead Making sure every one of them gets one in the head I'm running it red, not thinking about running from feds The only force that I'm having is to fill them full of lead I didn't wanna have to go resort to all the bloodshed But now it's kill or be killed and left on your deathbed As I look into the face of this crack facing demon Knowing he's the type who rapes his own semen What do you believe in the dark or the light? I know I'm gonna be surprised if I make it through tonight Turning myself into you, Harry, as you're my mate, you can collect the reward. Crapping on your own doorstep. We'll let them deal with it.
They stand on me, Harry. They don't like me there. I've been there before. They'll roll me in a mattress and they'll boot me. What's that to a brick shit house like you? I'll smash the police car with the transit. Send me to another Nick. Your shit. You roll in it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Student Radio Maastricht. This is 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. We are here in the studio today um, with Stephanie Blom and uh, Zaki, our loyal tech and co-host for today. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, and uh, today we will talk about a very important topic. A bit of a serious note today. We will be talking about ethnic uh, profiling. And uh, Stephanie, tell us a little bit, what is your expertise? What do you do? <laughs> um, well, ethnic profiling is not necessarily my expertise, I think, but it's a topic that I'm very interested in. Uh, interested in. Um, I used to work at the Maastricht University in the criminal law department um, and now teach at the Vrije Universiteit in Amsterdam. So criminal law is my thing. Um, and ethnic profiling is something that I've been reading a lot upon and talking a lot about. And I think it's uh, cannot be stressed how important this issue is so to say that i'm an expert on ethnic profiling well maybe luckily i'm not um but yeah yeah thank you for being here today with us zaki how are you doing today i'm doing pretty well i think yeah nice are you uh, interested in this topic what do you think about tell us i mean <laughs> it's a pretty interesting topic to me as a black guy you know uh particularly as a black guy from the united states you know There's so much history of, you know, racial discrimination, racism in general, you know, the United States was basically built on slavery and that legacy really, it really persists. Um, and so, you know, it's really interesting to see how the way, the history and the way that black people are portrayed in media affects how people view us today. And I think it's really fascinating, something that really needs to be examined. Yeah, 100%, I agree. I mean, I think we chose this topic together to talk about because I think it's really important to bring it into the public eye, let's say, or as much as we can because I don't I think some people are not even aware that this is happening all the time. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's one of those the fact it's the fact of privilege, you know. If you don't experience something, you not, not you're not going to necessarily be aware that it's happening. So. Yeah, exactly. So here we are to illuminate our listeners about these issues, what's happening uh, specifically in the Netherlands and uh, in the EU, but we're going to, uh, well, we can talk about it also in general because it's a problem that happens uh, all over the world, unfortunately. And uh, earlier we listened to I'll Be Surprised by Skinny Man. That's a song I love. And uh, it talks about uh, police brutality and uh, racial profiling. So it's uh, really on the topic. And yeah, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's very important that we're here today to, to, to talk about this, to tackle this, uh, this subject. I mean, of course, I mean, particularly with recent issues that have been happening in Maastricht. Um, yeah. The protests that happened on Sunday. Yeah. I think it's... It's very, it's very interesting that it's the, I think it's very interesting that this discussion is coming up right now, just with everything that's happening with COVID and everything. And it's like, practically the fact that we've been planning this episode for like the past few months. And so that this event happening is Sunday, it's very timely that it's happening right now. I think it's something that we need to really talk about it, to bring it to a public eye. So um, I think right now it's actually time to move to another song. 
Yeah. Um, the next song is going to be 2000 Blacks Got to Be Free, featuring Roy Ayers by Fela Kuti. <laughs> I love Fela Kuti. I'm very excited to hear this song right now. So, yes. Uh. William oh. Zanzinger killed poor Hattie Carroll with a cane that he twirled around. Small correction. This is The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll by Bob Dylan. Hotel. Society gathering. And the cops was called in. And his weapon took from him. As they rode him in custody. Down to the station. And booked Williams and Zinger for first degree murder. But you who philosophize disgrace. And criticize all fears Take the rag away from your face Now ain't the time for your tears Williams and Zinger who had 24 years Owns a tobacco farm of 600 acres with rich, wealthy parents who provide and protect him In high office relations in the politics of Maryland Reacting to his deed with a shrug of his shoulders And swear words and sneering in his tongue it was a snarling And in a matter of minutes on bail was out walking but you who philosophize disgrace and criticize fears Take the rag away from your face Now ain't the time for your tears Honey Carol was made in the kitchen she was 51 years old and gave birth to 10 children Who carried the dishes and took out the garbage And never sat once at the head of the table And didn't even talk to the people at the table Who just cleaned up all the food from the table and emptied the ashtrays on a whole other level Got killed by a blow, lay slain by a king That sailed through the air and came down through the room Doomed and determined to destroy all the gentle And she never done nothing to Williams and Zinger And you Philosophize disgrace and criticize all fears. Take the rag away from your face. Now ain't the time for your tears.
In the courtroom of honor The judge pounded his gavel To show that all's equal And that the courts are on the level And that the strings in the books Ain't pulled and persuaded And that even the nobles get properly handled Once that the cops have chased after and caught him And that the ladder of law has no top and no bottom Stared at the person who killed for no reason Who just happened to be feeling that way without warning And he spoke through his cloak most deep and distinguished And handed out strongly for penalty and repentance Williams and Zanger with a six-month sentence Ah, but you who philosophize disgrace And criticize our fears Welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht. This is 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. And we just listened to The Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll by Bob Dylan. Quite a sad song for a serious topic that we are talking about today. We are here uh, with Stephanie Blom and Zaki talking, um, talking about uh, ethnic profiling. So, Stephanie, tell us a little bit, what is ethnic profiling? Let's start from the basics. Ooh, it's, a, it's a very, very broad um, concept, but as Amnesty International has qualified it, it is um, the unjustified use of ethnic, racial, lingual, or the color of your skin in either police work or prosecution in, on a policy level or on a policing level. Um, So it's basically racist policing. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. And as Zaki just said, I think it's important to stress that this is not a purely um, American phenomenon and that definitely the Netherlands are also very much complicit in these practices. Because um, I think that a lot of people who kind of justify these policies say, well, this is an American problem and the BLM movement has nothing to do with the Netherlands. But I um, hope that we can stress today that that is uh, not the case, unfortunately. Yeah. I agree, 100%. So, um, what does racial profi profiling uh, look like in practice? So, in what, uh, we said policing, but uh, what are the, let's say, uh, areas in which one can expect uh, this to happen in the Netherlands? Poo, it's, yeah, like I said, it's a very broad phenomenon. It can be as easy as two dudes of Moroccan descent riding around on a, mo on a scooter and just being stopped and asked if they can check their IDs or check their driver's license or check what's in the back of their trunk. Um, there's also more institutionalized forms. So we have the crime um, anticipation system, which is in place, which is, I think, a very dystopian combination of digital innovation and um, ethnic profiling. Um, so what it basically is, is that it's a system in which they combine all types of data, being um, the crime rates in a certain neighborhood, being the household income, home ownership, uh, the amount of people or the number of people on benefits. Um, and they combine all this data mm -hmm. to come up with a prediction of when what types of high impact crimes will occur. So they haven't occurred yet. It's very much preventative policing. Mm. So what they do is that they deploy extra police power and extra patrols to these specific neighborhoods to stop people, to check vehicles, to make their presence known. Um, 
And because it's driven by data, that also always gives it kind of the aura of neutrality. Mm. Um, but I think it's quite clear with what kind of data the system is fed yeah. and um, which neighborhoods and people from what ethnic backgrounds will be targeted first. Um, so that's my main objection against these systems because they say it's effective. They say it is saving them time and money. Um, so this whole aura of neutrality of data-driven systems is really also a crucial element in this, I think. Um, yeah, so basically what it comes down to is that you go to certain areas like the Belmer in Amsterdam, which is a very big uh, Creole Caribbean community. Um, and you just go driving around with police cars all the time, yeah. letting them know you're there. And even if you would be stopping and searching people or actually catching them in the act, then that data is again fed into the algorithm, which skews it even more. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that really can lead to nothing else. But Yeah, of course, if you only check the same spots, you only get the same kind of uh, exactly. yeah. happenings, let's say. I think that's really crazy. And it's really crazy. I mean, one thing, two things that I wanted to mention. One is like, we have to... Uh, really stop with the idea that data is not biased <laughs> because yeah obviously the the kinds of data that are fed into the system uh, produce a certain uh, result of course and another thing that really uh, shocks me is that yeah they don't only take into account uh, crimes that happened before or in a certain area but also as you said the household uh, income and the home ownership that's really uh, it's really crazy that they can even look into that. I don't know. Yeah, because officially, um, since the uh, GDPR, mm. like your ethnicity or racial background is a special category that demands has extra protection. So I think they kind of took ethnic or nationality, they took that out because they cannot really do that anymore. But then they try to circumvent that by saying like, how many people live at one address? Because then the idea is that, for example, Moroccan or Turkish or Suriname families are bigger mm. than yeah, Dutch ones, so to say. So that's how they try to circumvent these extra protections that are around there. Yeah. Um, and because what a lot of supporters of these systems say is also that, but it's effective because these minorities are overrepresented in crime rates. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you cannot really say that if you only feed the crime rates by stopping people of ethnic minorities, then of course the numbers are going to say something different. So yeah. this is a very perverse cycle of, yeah. Yeah, that's really sad because, of course, if you don't stop, let's say, the white Dutch people, you will not know what crimes they are committing, of course. Yeah, I could be riding so, around with a scooter full of cocaine at night and I would not be stopped for a second because of yeah. the way I look, because of you yeah. know, me being Dutch. Yeah. Uh, also, maybe me being a woman. So maybe it's also gender bias in a way. Um, yeah, so that's pretty saddening. Yeah, yeah really. Um, we, you were mentioning earlier before before the show uh, a scandal that's happening right now in the Netherlands uh, that involves ethnic profiling, but it's more in the tax system. Tell us a little bit uh, more about what's happening there because uh, our, maybe not all our listeners are aware of what's happening. It's also maybe because it has to do with the tax authorities and the toeslagen. I mm -hmm. think maybe a lot of students get rental subsidies or um, health insurance subsidies. So that Present. Uh, authority. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think ethnic profiling by the police is the most authoritarian one because they have a monopoly on violence. So that's the really scary one. Um, but currently we have a scandal going on in which the tax authorities did 
internal checks for fraud with benefits. So it's childcare benefits, it's rental subsidies and all these things. And they now have a parliamentary hearing going on in which actually it became clear from internal memos that they were only checking people with Turkish and Moroccan last names for an extra check. And a lot of families were unjustifiably so labeled as frauds, mm -hmm. which has let them to lose their houses and their income and being in debt. Um, but I think the biggest, thats for, that first of all is scandalous, but I think the biggest um, scandal in this all is that they really also internally admit to only checking ethnic minority families yeah. extra for fraud. So it's not just the police. I think that when we discuss institutionalized racism, which a lot of Dutch people or white people do not want to accept exists, it's not just the police, it's basically everywhere everywhere yeah. yeah and it really affects the lives of the people who are Massively. affected so yeah i can't even imagine losing my house just because uh, of my background and, and they were entitled to these benefits so they yeah. came i don't know if you ever had to pay back rental subsidies or whatever because mm. you just made a little too much money you have to pay everything back so it was uh, sometimes up in the hundreds of thousands of euros that they had to pay back yeah and it now all turns out that it they were entitled they did not fraud with the whole thing and they were only looking for ethnic minority families so it's yeah. a clusterfuck uh, in total but this element specifically is unacceptable yeah, yeah. and it's really uh, i can imagine that it's also really hard to prove then that you were entitled because of the whole bureaucracy but this is the thing system. you should not be forced to prove your innocence this is not how a rule of law state works yeah they have to prove you were fraud And it should not be the, the turning around of the, the evidentiary um, duty, so to say. Yeah. So it's really that you say that, like, yeah, it's so hard to prove that you're innocent. I'm like, this is not how the system works. They have to prove you're guilty. So this is a double scary thing because then the burden of proof becomes on, on with them. Yeah. On how the, can you prove you're not a fraud? I mean, yeah. Yeah. In the face of yeah the the state, I think it's really really hard. Um, I think we're going to jump to the next song. Zaki, you were signaling me and we're finally going to listen to the song you were excited about. This is 2000 Black's Got To Be Free by Fela Kuti and Roy Ayers. Enjoy!
Welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM. I'm Elena. I'm here in the studio today with Zaki and Stephanie. We're tackling ethnic profiling in the Netherlands and in the EU. We're mostly focusing in the, of, on the Netherlands, of course, because we live here. <laughs> But uh, this also happens uh, elsewhere in the EU. Um, I was thinking earlier about uh, what, what was happening in Italy, for example. There have been some uh, decrees about um, uh, migration and uh, new decrees for security decrees. That's what they call it. I hate that name. Sounds so so bad. Security decrees. That in these decrees, they specifically uh, told the police which nationalities to target when they were uh, stopping people on the street. So that's just another example of what's happening right here in Europe not across the ocean, not so far away, just around the corner. So, yeah, I don't know. We wanted to uh, do a little segment on uh, sharing personal experiences. Uh, but, yeah, Zaki, do you have personal experiences with uh, uh, racial profiling? I mean, I think it's pretty hard to be growing up in the United States and not have, like, you know, at least one experience if you're a person of color, you know? Um, you know, you definitely grow up going, like, for example, there's a bookstore, going to a bookstore downtown, you know, just to, like, read books or just flip through books, you know, and constantly being fired, by, followed by a security guard, you know, just little things like that. Um, I remember there was one time I was, like, 14 years old in, like, University City, so, like, West Philadelphia, right next to University of Pennsylvania, like, right where it, like, was no longer Pennsylvania now, like, oh, residential neighborhood, but there's also a few frat houses about. Um, and we were just stopped by police because apparently my brother and I, my twin brother and I, fit a description at 14 years old next to my mom. Um, yeah. So, yeah, little things like that. And, like, yeah, it's it's really interesting because even in Atlanta, it still exists, of course, but it's very different very, very different from what it is back in the United States. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you uh, my experience as, a, as a, an Italian uh, foreigner. Uh, when, when I was trying to open a business here, they were really strict on checking where my money was coming from because, you know, I'm Italian, so I must be a mafia person. And yeah, I mean, that's my fortunately a little experience in, in this uh, scenario, but... Yeah, in the Netherlands, it's not just limited to to like uh, people of color. I guess that obviously that's like the more uh, let's say obvious from just looking. But when they look at your passport, they also do more uh, profiling as well. So I don't know. That's my unfortunately again that I have this privilege that uh, I was only profiled uh, in. Uh, I guess in text uh, <laughs> in bureaucratic, <laughs> yeah, way, in bureaucratic yeah. ways yeah but uh, Stephanie you were telling us earlier about the crime anticipation system that's like a system that the Dutch police uh, uses right uh, are there other uh, systems in place that uh, like uh, perpetuate this uh, this system well there's really there's really a number of these measures but for example because I want to refer to your example of being Italian that I also can lead you know everything not Maastricht 
or not local or not in the network of people is kind of, you know, already looked upon a bit differently, I think. Um, but what they, for example, do in Roermond based on nationality is that I think a lot of people know that you have the big shopping outlet there where a lot of people go to. Um, and they were dealing with a lot of shoplifting because there's expensive stuff like Gucci bags and all these things. Um, so what they did in uh, as an experiment between the municipality, the shopping outlet and the police is that they created a system again like surveillance capitalism, mass surveillance. This is a big problem in this because ethnic or nationality profiling has always been an issue, but clearly these data gathering techniques have made it a lot more easier and the scope a lot bigger. Um, so this is really a toxic combination, I think, like racial bias or racism and mass surveillance. Mm -hmm. um, so what they did is created a system in which they combine um, traffic camera footage um, with mobile phone data, license plate data, and open source intelligence, so social media, to come to a system in which they count points, basically. And if you come above a certain level of points, then the police is going to pull you off the road, um, intervene, and actually search your car to see if you were stealing from the um, outlet center. And basically what this is targeted at is Romanian and Bulgarian males um, driving across the border from Germany. Um, so your uh, location data coming from Germany, one point, driving a Romanian car, one point, more than two males, one point. Um, so while you say maybe that white males have a privilege, they definitely do. But here we're actually targeting white males from certain nationalities um, who are then stopped and searched under the impression that Bulgarian and Romanian citizens come to Rurmons to steal Gucci bags. Yeah. Again, this is preventative policing, so nothing has happened yet. Yeah. And we're already employing or deploying criminal law to intervene in these things. And I, I, I'm sorry for ELS students, maybe this is a bit repetitive then, but criminal law was meant to be an ultimum remedium. So a measure of last resort you can only use when nothing else helps, basically. But now criminal law, what you see is that it's being deployed as an instrument to prevent crime mm. from happening, which is not how it was intended to be, which is not the role it has or should have in our society. Um, but it's scary because criminal law is the field of law in which you can take measures that limit your freedom, that actually could include violence upon arrest, um, that can take away your freedom. So that's why it's a toolbox that should be reserved for the worst crimes and the worst violations of norms. Mm -hmm. but what we now see is that the police is being deployed to prevent crime even before anything has happened, therefore limiting constitutional freedoms. And it's totally reversed of how it was intended to be because this is all aimed at preventing risks from materializing so maybe we're just a very scared population um yeah afraid of the future and future risks so i think that is also a um commonality in all these systems yeah well thank you so much for that framework with which to view this concept wow. no, no but i think we were discussing like otherness before exactly. as a narrative for these things and i think that we it's a very famous uh, concept of the risk society that developed in the 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. um, that we as a society have become so afraid of risks that we can get insurance for anything, we can sue the government for anything, we can sue our employer for anything. Um, so what you see is that criminal law is now deployed as a risk or crime control system, which makes it even more dystopian. And I think that others, or the other, to use that very maybe worn out frame uh, sometimes, <laughs> is, is also perceived as a risk. 
and that that's why ethnic or racial profiling has become so prominent again because yeah others are risks we don't know you we cannot yeah really so that's a more sociological anthropo um, anthropology dimension of this yeah well i love these ways of looking at things so <laughs> yeah i agree i don't know i think it's uh oh we're gonna go into the song yeah, it's about time, oh, I think. Whoa. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, next song is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Yes. Yep, classic hip hop. <laughs>
welcome back to Student Radio Maastricht. This is 107.5 FM. I'm Elena. I'm here in the studio today with Zaki and Stephanie. We're talking about ethnic profiling in the Netherlands. So after all the, these, this conversation, um, I was wondering, what, what can we do in the face of all of this, right? What, 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 can, what can be done apart from raising awareness that this is happening, you know? I don't know. <laughs> I think this is always really the tough one because what the police then say or what a lot of people say is that you should diversify the police force. And if, of course, it's going to be better if there's more people of Suriname or Antillian or... Um, And you should give them bias training so that they learn how it feels for other people when you treat them in a certain way or belittle them in a certain way. And then they're going to go into that training for two hours and then they're going to talk about it in intervision sessions and it's going to be great. Um, but yeah, but what do you think is the core problem? Are police people inherently racist? Do they hire racists? Do you think it's the system, like police is very um, authoritative, very uniform, literally, they have this group thing going on. What do you think, yeah. what do you think is the problem? I mean, from my ignorant uh, perspective. Yeah, or both of you. <laughs> I don't know, you go, go ahead, Zaki, if you wanted to say. Well, I can only talk <laughs> from my very American perspective. Um, and at least in that sense, you know, The history of, if you look at the history of American policing, it really started from the people who were hired to catch runaway slaves and to keep yeah. the Native Americans from, you know, being mad at the white people from for taking everything from them. So, for me, it's really hard for me to separate police the, the police force in the United States from that history. So, I can't really see policing in, in any other way, which is why... I think in the United States, the answer really is to defund the police and not only defund the police, but also put those things into a different society where you, into a different kind of society where, you know, instead of actually, instead of actually just, just punishing the person who committed the crime, look at the things that led the person to commit this crime in the first place. And so instead of just, it's not just defunding, it's fund the community itself. 100%. I, I couldn't agree more with you, Zaki. I totally think that like the true crime anticipation uh, prevention system would be to actually provide a good life for everyone. Then people wouldn't be desperate to commit like petty crimes uh, and the police could focus on actual crimes like sexual assault or, I don't know, drug trafficking on big levels or, you know, guns or something. I can't think of, or murder, there you go, another bad crime, <laughs> but like, uh, or I don't know, domestic abuse, some kinds of crimes, not uh, crimes caused by, you know, uh, desperation or something like that. But also, I don't know, from my ignorant perspective, I kind of see the police as a unified uh, front. So I think it's really hard. For example, even if you have like the one or two uh, diverse officers, maybe they can't uh, really get their voice heard in the whole system uh, or hierarchy that, that exists, you know, but maybe I might be wrong. Um, and I don't know, I think one thing that, that uh, happens as well is that, yeah, maybe they do get bias training, but how does that look like? Is it two hour trainings we were talking about earlier? <laughs> or like, it's very limited amount of hours or and it's not, uh, Yeah, I don't think they, they do it well enough, so I think that could help. I do think that I'm personally pretty much uh, against the police <laughs> in general, but, you know, like, 
that's my just my personal opinion but if they do have to be there then i do think that they should be educated uh, in a way that they can deal with all the people that they encounter and not just you know look for a certain type that that they want to stop for example i don't know I'm really happy that you guys uh, brought this uh, up in combination because what Zaki said about defunding the police in the U.S., which is, of course, a big movement. And in the U.S., that would really apply. I mean, I think, was it in Philadelphia or some other city in which the police got 60 million a year and healthcare, public schools or whatever, got 3.2 million at least. Mm. There's something, you know, these, these, the division of money in the U.S. in favor of the police force is really insanely excessive. Um, in the Netherlands, I think the police are actually underfunded. Um, a very small percentage of the annual budget goes to police, public prosecution, and the um, court system. Um, and as uh, Helena just said, if you want to educate people, that's going to cost you money. And it's going to cost you a long-term structural investment in training people, hiring more educated people is going to cost you more money. Um, so I think in the Netherlands, the police should actually be refunded to educate staff better and to hire better, better, uh, better educated staff. Um, and maybe it's not just diversity training or bias training, but maybe just interpersonal skill training, like theory of mind or empathetic skills, or maybe violence is not the answer, maybe de-escalation training. Mm -hmm. So maybe people with like nice interpersonal skills that are not so susceptible to groupthink that dare to speak to authority. I think hiring critical people is maybe a good idea. Um, but I also agree with what you said, like it should not be preventative policing, but preventative policies, even if minorities would be overrepresented in crime statistics, because that's what, you know, um, supporters of these things always say, like, yeah, but they are overrepresented and they are more criminal and they are more um, causing more damage to society. And if this is effective, then what's the problem? First of all, it's not effective. This is not working. All empirical data shows that these policies don't work. Um, and second of all, um, even if they were overrepresented, then that has a cause. And for that cause, we are all collectively responsible and we should feel ashamed that these people feel apparently then, if it's true, the need to resort to crime. Mm -hmm. And that is our collective responsibility. So it should not be about <laughs> repression. It should indeed be about prevention, but on social prevention and not preventative policing. Yeah, I think that's it's, it should be a big structural, well-funded collective effort and not just a bias training every now and then every now and then by some organization that's paid a lot of money for these yeah yeah exactly and i think a lot in the netherlands there it's a lot of private companies that do this kind of stuff as well it's it's not coming from the state as far as i know so yeah i think that probably also plays a role because it's not it's not coming from within the the system and so. i think this is always especially painful because the netherlands abroad really likes to profile itself as this tolerant progressive gay marriage weed society of ethnic diversity and dealing with the past properly and it's that maybe makes it even more painful. I mean, the U.S. is maybe not even trying to portray themselves <laughs> as liberal as we try to be. Like, we're not racist, and we, we're not ethnic profiling, and everyone's welcome here, yeah. and everyone's equal, and you can be yourself. Yeah, I think what happened was that like, Trump really just took the mask yeah, off true, the United true, true. States. Like, yeah. the United States has always sort of been this kind of cesspool of racism and inequality. But, you know, when Trump became the president, you know, the United States could not present anymore. Yeah. 
I think so. I think so as well. But yeah, they do proclaim themselves to be the land of freedom, right? Only if you're yeah. white and Protestant and have yeah. a penis, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and straight. Yeah. yeah, well said. I think we're going to jump to the next song. Um, yes, the next song is Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Happen to share a birthday with Bob Marley. Get up, stand up Don't give up the fight Get up, stand up Stand up for your rights Get up, stand up Don't give up the fight Sick and tired of your bullshit game Die and go to heaven in Jesus' name To student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM. So we talked about ethnic profiling during this hour with Stephanie and Zaki. And uh, Stephanie, do you have anything else to add? Something hopeful maybe for our listeners? Or I don't know, it doesn't need to be hopeful. It can also be something real. Um, I think what, what was kind of saddening to me is that we heard Zaki speak about his experiences and he calls it little things. And these are not little things. And even I can fully imagine if you experience these practices or have been subjected to them, that it becomes kind of normal and you decide to just let it slide off of you and just don't make a fuss. But maybe that's exactly what you should be doing. Every instance, no matter how little it seems to you, report it to the complaints organization of the police, report it to Amnesty, report it to other organizations trying to combat these things. Because these policies are data-driven, our government kind of only listens to data these days it's insane so make the data count report every minor little thing make the numbers more representative of reality and then maybe the issue can be a little more prominent on the political agenda i know that corona is now suffocating any political agenda at the moment um, but just report it no matter how minor it seems yeah i think that's a very good uh leaving point zaki do you have anything to add uh yeah just yeah i think the most biggest thing is also for you know for allies people who are our friends you know if you see something like this happening speak up for us you know uh you are often are really our best asset in these situations because sometimes people may not listen to us because you know they just feel like you know you're the angry black person but if when it's someone else who can actually point out the situation you know it really does help and so yeah, do that please yeah nice let's 
do each do our best to try to change the the system i know it's uh, maybe it's a cliche thing to say to change the system but we're just gonna keep saying it until it changes so i think yeah no matter yeah. how frustrating it can be sometimes yeah we yeah. can we can't uh, give up so i hope that uh, us maybe talking about this fuels a little bit of uh, outrage and energy to keep this fight going and keep the blm demos going in maastricht i would say yeah i think that's really important as well yeah. i fully fully support that statement and i'm gonna just conclude our hour with a little uh, cultural agenda so the lecture series organized by Maastricht for Climate about uh, global citizenship and social justice is still going on, even if you missed the first uh, ones. Yesterday, we actually had a really interesting one about digitalization and democracy, which touched a, a little bit on the, the issues with the data-driven state. Um, yeah, there are still, uh, I think, two or three um, lectures to go so you can still join for those and i really recommend it because so far they have been really nice and uh, i don't know um with the corona anything is uh, what else you're gonna do yeah exactly there are not a lot of other uh happenings uh going on but yeah zaki oh do you have any oh there's a demonstration i remember now there's a demonstration on uh, saturday during the day uh at freithof um they're gonna it's a symbolic tent demonstration in support of uh, refugees and uh, specifically in Moria but yeah all the refugees that are staying in uh, camps in Europe and that they are not being let in by our government so join the demonstration I really I will be there see you there <laughs> and there's also maybe in light of the next hour you guys are going to do is a nice little bridge there's also the transgender day of remembrance on the 20th of november organized at the Vrijthof. it was it yeah yeah it's a it's a visual that's happening thank you for, thank you much for, very much for reminding me i completely forgot about this but and i'm going to celebrate it every year but yeah. yeah i put it in the cultural agenda for the second hour but we will reiterate exactly. <laughs> thank you very much yeah Nice. So thank you to all our listeners. Thank you, RTV Maastricht, for giving us the chance to uh, talk about this live on air. And we will listen to our last song, which is Zaki. A Change is Gonna Come by Sam Cook. Hopefully a change is gonna come. Bye. <laughs> like the river I've been running ever since It's been a long, long time coming But I know a change gonna come Oh, yes it will It's been too
Somebody keep telling me don't hang around. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes it will. Then I go to my brother. Say, brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. No, there have been times that I thought I couldn't last for long. But I know